Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at the FIFA Club World Cup and ask how worthwhile the tournament is and what the chances are for Africa's representatives, Esperance of Tunisia. Plus, we go into our archives and hear the story of the humble beginnings that Leicester City and Nigeria star Wilfred and Didi had. Sometimes after, after I finish selling, I go to the, the traffic lights, get the wiper and then start cleaning glasses for my own money because I, I needed to get football shoes. And we've got a roundup of the UEFA Champions League with the group stage now done. First, the FIFA Club World Cup is underway in Qatar with Esperance of Tunisia representing Africa and entering in the second round and playing Al-Hilal of Saudi Arabia on Saturday. The annual competition features the continental club champions from each of the six continental confederations plus a team from the host nation. Well, Africa has tended to struggle, but there have been two memorable performances with T.P. Mazembe of DR Congo finishing runners-up in 2010, losing 3-0 to Inter Milan of Italy in the final. And then in 2013, Raja Casablanca of host nation Morocco also reached the final, losing 2-0 to Germany's Bayern Munich. Three other times an African team has reached the semi-finals, while on the other ten occasions the African representatives failed to get to the last four. European teams have won the last six editions and a total of 11, with the other four titles going to South American teams. The Club World Cup will be expanded in 2021 to 24 teams. Uh, first of all, Ida, then, how much enthusiasm do you have for the FIFA Club World Cup? Well, let me put it this way, Steve. Um, the FIFA Club World Cup, it has to be one of those tournaments whose absence I personally wouldn't really notice. Um, and I say personally, not professionally, you know, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, not to mention um, the possibility of just how this tournament might actually negatively affect the Africa Cup of Nations in the next couple of years. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So safe to say, you know, it's definitely a 50-50 feeling for me as an African fan. Um However, with all that said, um, it is the 16th edition of the tournament. So there is a history and a very rich history uh, within this particular competition. As for increasing the number of teams, um, that one is very interesting. Why? Because, look, from 7 to 24 teams, I, that is absolutely ridiculous, you know, what will be interesting for me will be to see how the organizers navigate that, you know. So luckily, they do have a couple of years to, to get to that. I'm sure plans are already underway. Uh, but that one will definitely be very interesting. Um, at the same time, I mean, the expansion will provide a good chance Steve, for some of the um, not so famous teams, if you will, to be able to get just that other level of international exposure. Uh, plus, at the end of the day, I mean, look, the, the bigger teams are still there, you know, the likes of uh, Liverpool from Europe, the likes of uh, Flamengo from South America. So it's it's a good mix. It is a good mix. And at the end of the day, it's 
all about perspective. You know, you look at it maybe from uh, Liverpool's shoes, might look at it as a as a bit of a minor inconvenience, you know, to their schedule. It's all about perspective, might not be a big deal to some, might be a huge deal uh, to others. And at the end of the day, I still think it will be yet another good opportunity, Steve, for Qatar to be able to show its pedigree, you know, in hosting international uh, sports events. Now, it did get a chance uh, at that earlier in 2019, but that was specifically to do with athletics. That was the IAAF uh, World Athletics Championships. Now, this one will be a bit more tailor-made because uh, it will be the FIFA World Cup ahead of the 2022 World Cup that will be in Qatar. So definitely interesting times coming ahead. Yes, helpful for Qatar, hosting this edition of the FIFA Club World Cup and next year's too. And now Africa has a generally poor record in the tournament. Any hopes either that Esperance might do something this time? It also doesn't help that uh, the playing field isn't uh, very level, you know, that European teams do get to enter in the later stages. We'll see Liverpool entering from the semi-final stage. So were the Reds to, for example, Steve, crash out at that stage it would go on record as being in the semi-final, despite that semi technically being the Reds' first round, you know. So I, I find it a bit skewed. But look, anyway, <laughs> um, Africans have started the tournament well, um, at least from an individual perspective. I mean, uh, Algerian star Baghdad Bunaja did get on the score sheet. Now, that's something that he's not too unfamiliar with. <laughs> um, it was his Qatari club, Al Saad, who started on a winning note. As for Esperance, well, um. Already the journey to the FIFA Club World Cup was so dramatic, Steve, you know, what with uh, all the chaos that was witnessed both during and after the CAF Champions League. And also it might seem, at least on the surface, that uh, they might need to direct their efforts elsewhere. Now, Esperance are currently seventh in the league. Now, that sounds very shocking, I know, but... They do have several games in hand that if they win would catapult them right to the top, which is uh, where a lot of people are used to seeing them. Yes, that's a lot of football for Esperance with the Domestic League, the Champions League and the FIFA Club World Cup. If they beat Al-Hilal of Saudi Arabia in the second round on Saturday, Esperance will face Flamengo of Brazil in the semi-finals and then potentially Liverpool in the final. We'll see if they can go on a dream run at the Club World Cup. Well, this week on social media, asking what you think about the FIFA Club World Cup. Ida has mixed feelings. She said she wouldn't really miss it if it wasn't there. There's been an African team reaching the final twice otherwise the continent has tended to struggle while european teams have dominated it uh, the club world cup will be expanded in 2021 to 24 teams so what do you think about the fifa club world cup you can go to our facebook page that's planet sport football africa and post a comment there or send us a whatsapp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero Okay, to the CAF Champions League now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And we've had the first two rounds of matches in the group stage of the Champions League. Defending champions Esperance looking good with two wins from two. And TP Mazembe of the DRC and Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia also with six points, Saida. Yes, as you've said there, Steve, the 
three teams definitely off to quite a good start. Um, but you know what they say, it's how you finish that most matters, eh? Um, as for Esperance, I mean, what else is left to say about the team? Absolutely remarkable. And their their CAF Champions League record, I think, really does speak for itself. I mean, unbeaten in their last 16 continental games, Steve, and their last 10 home games as well, you know. And as we can see, Tunisians simply on fire and not just Esperance, but uh, with Etoile as well. Their initial game, their opener, where they beat eight-time champions Al-Ali, I think was very impressive. And uh, they did manage to follow that up by beating Zimbabwe's Platinum FC. As for Congo's TP Mazembe, well, um, their win over Zesco was very impressive as well to me. Why? Because the Zambians have a stellar home record. It's always very difficult to beat Zesco FC at home. And we saw that they did that. So TP Mazembe, yes. And uh, Esperance, as well as Etoile, definitely showing early signs of just how far they intend to progress in this tournament. Yes, and still another round of games coming at the end of this month as the Champions League has been compressed to make space for the African Nations Championship in April. Now, as we near the end of 2019, we're going into our archives to relive some of our best stories of the year. We had a chance to speak to Nigeria and Leicester midfielder Wilfred Ndidi, who's had a great year. Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji spoke to Ndidi and found out how he went from humble beginnings to becoming a global star, as he would sell things on the streets of Lagos as a boy. Actually, even when I was doing that, I was still smiling because... You know what, I believe what is in your hands is what you have. It's your own, you know. So I think all those times I was, I sold groundnuts, I sold pure water, I was jack of all trade. Uh, sometimes after, after selling, I was doing all that for my mom because my dad is a soldier, he's still serving and he was not with us. So I was doing that for my mom. And sometimes after after I finish selling, I go to the the traffic lights, get the wiper, and then start cleaning glasses for my own money because I I needed to get football shoes. So all those times I I've always I've always wanted to play football. So sometimes I don't get to go to training because I was hawking. So but everything turned out fine. Everything is fine. Everything is okay. But I think. Looking back, it's just something I have to be thankful and be grateful and how God has been great to me. So, yes. Some boys lose their way in that position. You know, they could go into drugs, they could go into alcohol and all of that. But something kept you going. What was it? Why, why, do, you, why do you realize that's not for me? Uh, there, were, there, there were temptations of not really drugs or anything, but making fast money. Well... I was still young. Uh, my mom always tell me I'm still young. I just I've always I've always take things as they come, and embrace the 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 little things I have. So the ones I have, I appreciate them. So I don't really look towards the big things. I just want to be happy, you know. So that alone has has made my mom to actually give me the chance to actually go for football, you know. Because I wanted to play football. Even sometimes my dad is around. When my dad was around, uh, he never wanted me to. 
But my dad, my mom would create space for me and then and lie to my dad and say, oh, she, she sent me on an errand or something like that. So, Bob, it was part of my story. Well, I'm happy. I'm grateful. And you look at people thinking you've had it easy. They don't know your story. <laughs> it has never been easy. Even till now, it's never easy. Because uh, we play. We, yeah, before we play, we have to work out for playing. The team has to do well to make everything go smooth. So we're still working. We're still trying our best to forget about the fame and all these things. We're still hustling. We're still working. So I think most people just see and then say, oh, everything is fine. No, we are humans. Every, not everything is fine. Sometimes you lose a game and then you feel bad. And then most people don't think, most people think you just go there and just lose a game on purpose. No. We're humans also. We, we have our lives. We, we try to bring out the best and make everything go well. But sometimes it doesn't, but we just have to learn. Where do you learn to become? Where do you learn to become? Some people lose their heads, you know, like when you lose a game, people insult you. And, but you, you keep smiling, you just laugh, and you still have time to sign autographs. And Where do you get that calmness from? Uh, I always believe that everything will not go smooth. So even when it comes like this and like this and like this, uh, your reaction will, will be very important, you know. If you lose and you're so down, and then it will reduce your chance of having the confidence to go to the next round. But I think, yeah, I feel bad when I lose. I, 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 I get angry, but I don't get to show it. I don't get to go, but I just know that there's, there's another chance to make it better. If there was no chance, okay, but there's another chance too. So, but we'll just take it. So that's Nigeria and Leicester midfielder Wilfred Ndidi speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. Quite a story. Ndidi was selling groundnuts, selling water, cleaning car windscreens in Lagos as a teenager. But he said there that he was cleaning the windscreens with a purpose to buy football boots. Interesting too when he was asked about whether he was tempted to get into drug abuse. But for Ndidi, he said the temptation was to make fast money uh, through crime, presumably. Well, drug and alcohol abuse is the downfall of many talented players here in Zimbabwe these days, uh, but indeed he does show that as well as the talent, you have to have the right character to make it in life and to make the most of that talent. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast. And in the About Us section, you can see pictures and profiles of all of the team. That's on the New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now let's go to social media. And last week we asked, who do you think should be the next Gunners boss? It's been a difficult season for Arsenal so far. Unai Emery's recent sacking was inevitable after disappointing results. So who's going to take over with Freddie Lundberg in temporary charge? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Well, Steve, this question has really engaged with listeners this week. And we've had a wide range of suggestions. We'll start then with Anfamara Jola in The Gambia, who says, Right now I think Maurizio Pochettino is the right man to take the job because he understands the EPL. 
And that's a view shared by Adam Umar Muhammad in Nigeria. My own view is Pochettino because he knows the league, says Adam. And Leonard Silva in Uganda agrees. I would choose Pochettino, says Leonard. Another supporting the former Spurs boss is Dan Agega in Kenya. I feel Poch will do a good job, just like he did at Spurs and Southampton, says Dan. He understands the English league better than, say, Allegri, who had a better squad at Juventus. Allegri also struggled with AC Milan, who were relatively in a similar position to where Arsenal are at the moment. And former Arsenal players are popular choices this week too. Noble Botamani in Malawi says, I think Patrick Vieira should take over. And Partumani Baji in the Gambia agrees. I prefer Patrick Vieira to take up the mantle because he did it with them and he knows the setup, says Par. Patrick was a great asset for Arsenal. He's a hungry footballer who always wants to win games. And if he can put that mentality into the players, well, I believe he can achieve something with them, if given the chance and the backing of the club. And Abrima in the Gambia also goes for a former Gunners player. Thierry Henry will be the right choice, says Abrima. Gemmo, a Cameroonian living in the United States, suggests another of Thierry Henry's former French international teammates. My suggestion for Arsenal's next manager is Laurent Blanc, a.k.a. Le Président, says Gemmo. I think he did a fantastic job when he was manager at PSG and the team played excellent football. I'm surprised that his name doesn't come up that much. Khalifa Sanyang in China would prefer to see a manager who's currently in the EPL taking over the reins at Arsenal. I think Nuno Espirito Santo would be great for them, says Khalifa. He knows the Premier League and is a proven tactician. And Abina in Nigeria also suggests a manager currently doing well in the EPL. For me, says Abina, Brendan Rodgers of Leicester City should be the next Gunners boss. He's been tested and trusted, although I hear the Leicester board has started negotiations for a new contract with him in order to ward off any possible interest in their prized asset. Musa Jaju is a disappointed Arsenal fan in the Gambia. All is not well at my club, Arsenal, says Musa. I thought the main problem was Emery, but I don't think that has really been the case. I would prefer Diego Simeone to take charge. Yes, sir, that's an interesting shout there. The Argentine has been at Atletico Madrid for eight years now, since 2011. So I wonder if he'd contemplate a change. But Buba Kamara in the Gambia believes EPL experience isn't necessary if the new manager has a proven track record in another top league. Massimiliano Allegri is the right man for the job, says Buba of the former Juventus boss, because he can make Arsenal a competitive team again so that they can fight for big trophies again. And Ansimana Sonko, also in the Gambia, agrees. I go for Allegri, says Ansimana. He's a great coach and I think he can fix Arsenal's current problem. And finally, Nsonyi Armstrong in Cameroon says, The list is really long and could get longer as surprise names could come in. People like Lauren Blanc, Carlo Ancelotti, who has just left Napoli, and Luciano Spalletti at Inter. Whoever comes in must bring the team together. This Arsenal team is completely out of focus. Moving forward, they don't really click, while at the back, nothing goes right. 
My own choice would be Mikel Arteta, who for me has been under good internship with Pep Guardiola at Man City. So there you are, Steve. I think from all this we can draw perhaps two things. First, there is a long list of potential managers who are now available or who maybe could be persuaded to leave their existing clubs. And second, that no one candidate really jumps out above the rest. So it's going to be really interesting to see who Arsenal do turn to now to revive their sagging fortunes. Thanks, Adrian. Yes, uh, some very interesting suggestions there, and indeed a lot of suggestions. We had a poll on Twitter on our handle, that's at Planet Sport FA. Uh, coming out tops there was Massimiliano Allegri with 34% of the vote, Mauricio Pochettino 31%, Patrick Vieira 21%, and the other suggestion that we put there, Nuno, uh, came out with 13% uh, of the vote. Uh, that's on our Twitter handle, at Planet Sport FA. Now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Uh, So, Stuart, tough times for Arsenal, but a welcome 3-1 win against West Ham on Monday, ending a run of nine games with no win. What's your assessment of their situation? Well, Arsenal were absolutely awful in the first half of the game against West Ham, but then they managed to score three goals in the second half, and our old friend Aubameyang again scoring. And great to see Pepe scoring a good goal, because, you know, we have talked about whether he's actually justified the promise and the money was spent on him. But Arsenal are a poor team. They don't seem to have a leader. They just seem to have lost their way completely. And your views on who should be the new boss, Stuart? Well, yes, some fascinating suggestions there on social media with Allegri and Nuno being mentioned, but others going for someone with a stronger Arsenal connection like Vieira, Henri and Arteta being mentioned. Now, personally, I don't think that Pochettino is a serious contender simply because of the rivalry between Arsenal and Tottenham. And I don't think the Arsenal fans would really take to him. But, you know, it's interesting that Napoli, currently seventh in Serie A, have this week parted company with their manager, Carlo Angelotti. And now Angelotti has previously managed Juventus, Milan, Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. He's won league titles in four countries. He's won the Champions League three times. Now, I've read that Arsenal and Everton, who are also looking for a manager, may be interested in him. And, I mean, he could be quite a good fit for Arsenal. I mean, he speaks good English and he has a lot of international experience. So I think he's a name who could well emerge. Yes, Ancelotti would be a good fit, potentially. Uh, we shall see. Now, elsewhere, Stuart, you mentioned Nigeria's Kelechi Iheanacho last week, coming back from the wilderness and scoring a winner for Leicester. And he scored again against Aston Villa. Uh, this when we thought that there was no future for him at the Foxes. What a remarkable turnaround for Steve, you know, we mentioned last week that he'd got his first playing time of the season and scored the winning goal. Well, he was rewarded with a starting place against Aston Villa and he scored again. And in that game, Jimmy Vardy scored two goals. And that was the eighth consecutive game in which Vardy had scored. You may remember four years ago, we were following him when he scored in 11 consecutive games. And we also mentioned last week that Vardy was scoring most of his goals in the second half. And sure enough, that was the seventh consecutive game in which he'd scored a second half goal. But I think he must have been listening to us because he's realised he can also score in the first half and he got one of his goals in the first half against Villa. Yes, looking like the Vardy of old and wonderful to see Ian Acho's revival. Just hope that he will sustain it. 
And Stuart, it's looking more and more like we can declare Liverpool the champions already in December, five months before the end of the season. Liverpool could hardly have asked for a better weekend because while they were recording their 15th win of the season with Mo Salah and Naby Keita scoring, Manchester City and Chelsea both lost. So Manchester City are now 14 points behind Liverpool. And even with Leicester City's 4-1 win over Aston Villa, they're still eight points behind in second place. Steve, I would just like to mention Danny Ings of Southampton, who set a Premier League record as the first player to score in five Premier League defeats in any season before Christmas. I'm not sure it's a record he'd be terribly excited about. And, you know, there have been four nil-nil draws in the Premier League this season, and three of them have been at Watford. So if you want to see goals, don't go to Watford. Uh, Well, I wonder if Watford will get out of the relegation zone. And on a sad note, Stuart, in the English Championship, Stoke City and DR Congo forward Benic Afobe had a great loss. Yeah, we've mentioned Benic Afobe on the programme before because he has DR Congo citizenship. He's played for 10 clubs in England, including Bournemouth in the Premier League. And his two-year-old daughter, Amora died recently, and Afobi thanked the football world for the good wishes, adding, Our family trusts in our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are weak, he comforts us. He will protect the family and give us strength always. Our sympathy goes out to him and the family. Indeed, our condolences to the family of Benic Afobe. And another exciting week in the UEFA Champions League as the group stage ended, Stuart. Yeah, you know, Steve, there are over 50 countries in Europe, but the last 16 of the UEFA Champions League includes clubs from only five countries, confirming the dominance of the big countries. And there are four from England, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, four from Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, Atletico, three from Italy, Juventus, Napoli and Atlanta, three from Germany, Bayern Munich, Dortmund and Leipzig, and two from France, Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon. While the four English clubs have qualified, to be honest, none of them has looked that impressive. And the standout teams in the qualifying were Bayern Munich with six wins out of six, but amazingly, they're only seventh in the German league, seven points off the lead, and Paris Saint-Germain, who finished with five wins and a draw and a goal difference of 17-4 and two against. Two big clubs who missed out were Inter Milan, beaten by Barcelona and Dortmund. And remember last year, Ajax of Amsterdam reached the semi-final, losing narrowly to Tottenham, but they were edged out by Valencia of Spain and Chelsea. The draw is on Monday, but it's quite complicated. At one level, you've got the eight group winners playing the eight group runners-up, but you cannot play a runner-up of your own group and you cannot play a club from your own country. So, This means, certainly for the English clubs, that there are probably only about five potential opponents that they can have. Incidentally, Steve, there were 17 African players who contributed to the teams who have made the last 16. And just to pick out a couple there, when Liverpool beat Salzburg 2-0, Naby Keita scored again. That's two goals in two games. And he scored from Sadio Mane's cross. But what made that particularly interesting is that Prior to playing for Liverpool, Cater and Mane had been teammates at Salzburg. And between them, they scored 48 goals for the Austrian club. Bet the Austrians wished they'd been playing for Salzburg rather than against them. 
And then an interesting one in the Barcelona Inter Milan game. With five minutes left, Barcelona sent on a 17-year-old substitute, Ansubani Fati Ansu. And within one minute, he'd scored the winning goal. While Ansu has played for Spain at under-21 level and seems to be adopting Spanish nationality, he was, in fact, born in Guinea-Bissau. And he's the son of a footballer who moved to Spain when he was six. And this week, he became the youngest goal scorer in the Champions League, having previously been Barcelona's youngest ever scorer when he was just 16 earlier this season. He looks a player for the future, but sadly, another African who has got away, so to speak. Yes, Ansu Fati, very unlikely to play for Guinea-Bissau, one of the most exciting talents to emerge in world football this year. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, So no more UEFA Champions League football this year. It's back in February with the draw coming up uh, on Monday. English Premier League highlights this weekend. Leaders Liverpool play in the early game on Saturday, taking on Watford. Uh, Chelsea play Bournemouth. Uh, Sheffield United take on Aston Villa. Leicester playing Norwich also on Saturday. Burnley against Newcastle and Southampton versus West Ham. Big game of the weekend is on Sunday. Arsenal versus Manchester City. Interesting and uh, a tough one, you would imagine, for Arsenal. Uh, before that, on a Sunday, Manchester United taking on Everton after their fantastic derby win over Man City. And also on Sunday, Wolves take on Tottenham. And there's a Monday night game as well between rivals Crystal Palace and Brighton. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.